What's going on, people? It's your boy Kalechi, and I'm back with another Rambling Mind podcast. How y'all doing today? I hope y'all have had a wonderful week so far and are ready for the weekend and more importantly ready for christmas we're like less than a week away from christmas man i'm doing my little dance i'm excited i'm ready to go home have some fun with the family sit on the couch get some cocoa drink a little cocoa watch a lot of movies watch a lot of cuss story movies because that's what i do during christmas time spend some time with the family more importantly see some family and friends you know the good stuff the important stuff you know go to church have a little service, Christmas service. Looking forward to all of that stuff. How y'all doing? I hope y'all get to have that week off and are able to not be at work and you're able to get some R&R time. I know I'm not the only one who is ready for the year to end. I know I'm just ready for this year to end. Not because it's been a horrible year by any means, just because I'm ready to enter into the new decade and also i'm just tired i just don't want to go to work i'm just ready for the for the year to run out but anyway i hope y'all have had a productive and wonderful week so far but we got a lot to cover today we got a lot on my mind there's a lot that i've been reading about and a lot to talk about on this episode of rambling mind podcast we got lawmakers that are being procrastinators just like you and I with the year coming to an end. Nobody really wants to go to work. Everybody's just kind of like, ah, I'm just going to click away and just try and get something done. But, you know, they're just procrastinating. They got a lot they got to get done before this week comes to an end. They have to finish the spending bill. They got to approve that. They got to decide what they're going to do with Donald Trump, if they're going to impeach the guy or not. They got to agree on a USMCA, which that stands for the United States, Mexico and Canada trade agreement. They got to figure that one out and they all have to do this before the year runs out or else, you know, as far as the spending bill, that can lead to the government being shut down again, as we saw last year, that that actually happened. Hopefully that doesn't happen this year, but we'll talk more about that later on in the stories. We also have El Clasico go down. And also, Ozilla is banned in China. We'll talk about all this stuff later on in the episode. Like I said, there's a lot to get to. But we'll start with this. The 2019 United Nations, I almost said states, nope. The United Nations Climate Change Convention, which is also known as the COP25, took place in Madrid last week. And it had over 200 countries attend, or rather delegates from over 200 countries attended. Now, what is the whole, the idea of it? The name basically tells you what the idea of it. Basically, it is to decide how, as a, as a world, we're going to try and deal with the issues that we have with climate change. And the convention was basically so they can iron out most of the details for the pact that they had all agreed to from the Paris Climate Agreement that they passed in 2015. However, like anyone knows who works at 9 to 5 and works in corporate America, Sometimes you just have meetings to talk about other meetings you're going to have and have other meetings to talk about the meeting you just had and then have other meetings to review the two meetings that you just had and missed. And so that's what this whole convention turned into. It turned into basically a week long of photo ops, them holding press conferences, 
But when it came down to actual business, actually those countries coming together and hashing out the details of how they're going to enact the Paris Climate Agreement and how these 200 different countries are going to decide how they're going to deal with all the issues as far as climate change goes. They didn't do anything. It ended up being a complete waste of time, a week-long event that was supposed to hash out details and come to conclusions about some of the lofty ideas that had been proposed and nothing was done. No specifics was put into action. So the question is, what exactly happened? Why couldn't they come to an agreement? And the main issue that made every single person in the whole agreement not agree to anything or the main issue that was a sticking point that didn't allow them to progress was the idea of carbon trading. Now, some of you might be asking, what exactly is carbon trading? What does that mean? What does it have to do with anything? Why is that the main issue that caused these 200 delegates not to agree on the topic? And basically, carbon trading is how co2 was turned into a commodity as you know one of the biggest polluters in our environment today is carbon dioxide which is the one thing that we don't breathe in trees use that and convert and make oxygen from that but it's polluting the environment because there's too much of it and not enough trees on the other side basically it made carbon dioxide into a commodity that can be sold and bought all right, guys, this is Future Kalichi, and I realized I did not explain that very well. I did not explain the whole idea of carbon trading or carbon trading. Basically, the idea of carbon trading is companies get credits and get they can buy credits to say that, hey, we know we pollute, but we are funding or we are paying for this company on the side that does this green effort, whether it's solar power or they do some kind of clean air initiative or anything like that, they can pay that and then they can get those credits funded back to them and say, because we buy these clean credits, it offsets our polluting cost. Now, the problem with this is the fact that companies basically just started paying for making the investment and paying for those carbon credits and not doing anything to actually advance their own polluting cost or look to ways to reduce their polluting cost hopefully that explains carbon trading a little bit better and now back to the show the cop the convention the whole idea was to figure out how are we going to deal with these carbon trading how are we actually going to either reduce the amount of carbon tradings the amount of carbon trading credits that are being made available are we going to reduce that or how would we go about reducing it would we uh reduce the amount that's given out every year or would we reduce the amount that's given to certain countries or would we get reduce the amount that is given to certain nations would we reduce the certain amount that we give to countries and i, I said countries like four times that we give give to companies because countries and companies those two words too similar anyway that we give to companies that we give to cities how do we actually determine how much carbon credits we're actually going to give to people and then how do we determine what those costs are going to be for those carbon credits and like anyone who has ever been married or anyone who has been in a relationship or anyone who has a friend and when you two have to decide on for example where are we going to go eat today one person says i don't know and the other person says okay i'm going to go get pizza and the other person is like nah I kind of want wings and the other person's like, nah, I don't want wings. I want burger. The other person's like, nah, I kind of want some chicken. The other person, and you know, there's no agreement. And that's the same thing that happens, but on a whole different world scale, when you bring in 200 countries, 
200 different delegates from 200 countries, which each countries have different backstories that go into the decisions that they have to make. When you have some countries that are already industrialized, for example, you have some countries like the United States, which are it's not going to see the effects of of carbon pollution as much because now it's shifting into a more energy efficient and more focused on how are we affecting the the environment and those kind of things because it's already gone way past their industrial revolution and then on the other hand you have a whole lot of other countries that are now just getting into their industrial revolution which means that they're going to be bigger polluters so the question is how do we balance the two do we just look at developed countries and say oh because developed countries are doing so well we're going to limit the amount of carbon credits that we make available or do we look at the countries that are now in their industrial revolution and say oh because they're doing so poorly we're going to increase the amount of carbon credits that we're going to make available so this was the issue this was the sticking point that basically made everything just turn into meeting after meeting after meeting meeting that talked about another meeting meeting that talked about the meeting from yesterday the meeting that talked about the agreement from two years ago meeting that basically just turned into it turned into a great grand photo op for these countries to say that hey we went to the the convention the cop 25 convention in paris we're trying to do something for climate change and it became just a story about a press release more than it actually did anything to help anybody out and so the question is what are we going to do next like what exactly is going to happen since no agreement was was made from this paris climate agreement well the only thing is there's always next year as the line if anybody knows anything about football one of the things that detroit lions always say there's always next year or you look at this year golden state the rallying cry is there's always next year or you can look at the cleveland browns who suck their crying sound is always at least there's always going to be next year and so that's what the whole convention came down to is every single person the cop 25 basically came down to everyone saying well We'll just figure out what we're going to do next year and we'll decide how we're going to play this thing out. And so that's where we are right now. No details came about from the week-long event. No agreement was reached. So it's been since 2015 when that Paris Agreement was put into place. And now it's 2019 and it's going to be 2020 next year. And for five years, still no details have come about from this whole event, from this whole agreement that sent everybody excited everybody was happy was like yes we're finally doing something about climate change but in the end it's come back come down to nothing nothing ended up being done except for a few good pictures being taken and a bunch of press releases about nothing so that's the whole climate change let me know what y'all feel about that hit me up on twitter or, or hit me up on instagram and let me know how do y'all feel about it do you feel like that there should have been some kind of com commonality that should have brought everybody back to the table so that a baseline can be set but like i said 200 different nations each with its own storyline each with its own background very hard to get everybody to agree on some kind of baseline moving on from there and now into something that I just feel like it's a social justice story that should really not be a story at all. But we live in the year 2019 where people love to be outraged for no other reason other than it's nice to be outraged. Other than if you get outraged, you can get some clicks, you can get some retweets, you can get some hits on your Instagram, you can get some follows, those kind of things. But people are just being outraged and being outraged for no reason. And there are two stories that I want to talk about with this whole 
social justice for a five seconds thing that we're seeing in society today. So first of all, we have the Peloton story. Backstory, in case nobody knows, we've talked about Peloton before and how that company is IPOing for a ridiculous amount of money. And we've insulted them because first of all, they're selling a bike for over $5,000 and then they're selling a treadmill for over $3,000. So first of all, that's ridiculously expensive. And on top of everything, you still have to get like a $40 a month subscription service to get the full access to the bike or the treadmill. So I was just, I was out on Peloton a long time ago, but anyway, People were really offended by a commercial that Peloton ran. If you haven't seen the Peloton commercial, basically it shows a husband gifting his wife for Christmas a Peloton bike. And then through the commercial, somehow, some way, she does this whole vlogging thing, characterizing and telling the story about how it's changed her life, which if anybody knows, which I don't understand why people are getting upset. If anybody knows anything about Peloton, what did I say Peloton said that their mission statement is? The mission statement is we sell happiness. That is literally what Peloton calls themselves. They say they sell happiness. When they went for their IPO, they said that they're in the business of selling people happiness. But anyway, that's beside the point. In the commercial, she goes through this whole thing. You know, she's working out and everything and she works out, works out. And then at the end, she said, I didn't think this bike was going to change my life, but it did change my life. And I'm so grateful to you for that. And she's talking to her husband and the commercial ends. But it wasn't over there. Everybody was in outrage. Oh, how dare he? How dare the man buy her of us an exercise bike? What is he? What are they trying to say about society? Are they trying to say that women should be getting like what the? Like dog? It's a commercial, and it's not even like a long commercial. It was literally a thirty-second commercial. Like everybody got outraged. I don't understand what is exactly in that commercial is outraged. Maybe. I'm also a man, and then there's also that part of it. Maybe I just don't know because I'm a dude, and people are gonna say, "Oh, this is just a patriarchal society," and this dude, you just man, you're just a man. How dare you even say anything like that? How dare you not see it from the woman's perspective? I'm like, yo, first of all, in the commercial itself, the chick already looks fit. And maybe she likes to cycle, but now she has a kid at home. She doesn't want to go to the gym anymore because they did show a kid in the commercial as well. She doesn't want to go to the gym because she has to do something at home or she has to be home. The husband has to be home. Their family setting, that's whatever. I'm now reading too deep into this commercial because it's taking me off. But anyway, too deep into it. And so she wants to exercise in her own home. So the husband says, oh, she wants, and she's been eyeing the Peloton. And so the husband says, you know what? You've been eyeing the Peloton. I'm going to buy you. Make this massive investment. First of all, $5,000. It ain't cheap. $5,000 investment on your behalf and also pay the subscription service so you can get the fullness of it and you can really enjoy it. So I don't get the outrage. Like, what is wrong with that? She's already a workout. She looked super thin. So I'm assuming that she's already like somebody who works out regularly. I'm just going to make that assumption on everybody's behalf. So like, what's the big deal? I, didn't, I don't understand what the outrage was about. I really don't understand what the outrage with the Peloton commercial. Maybe y'all can educate me. Hit me up on Twitter or on Instagram at Kelechi Iwaba, K-E-L-E-C-H-I-W-U-A-B-A. And let me know what exactly about this Peloton commercial was so like, I don't know, like what was it that made it so unbelievably shaming to women? Like it was women shaming in some way or shape or form. Should it have been the reverse where she was buying the bike for the dude or what? 
I don't I don't understand. Can somebody please explain to me why exactly this commercial was so outrageous? Like people were expl- their minds were exploding over the commercial. I saw the commercial. I was like, eh, it's a commercial. It's a commercial. Like they're trying to sell their their story is we sell happiness. Like that's their whole thing. And they did a commercial about selling happiness to somebody. So I don't understand why people were so in such unbelievable outrage about this. But that's my first story about the ridiculousness of being in 2019 and how everybody wants to be a social justice warrior for about two seconds and then everybody forgets about it. And the other story I have, it has to do with Hallmark. Hallmark is my favorite Christmas channel during the during Christmas time. It's my favorite channel, mainly because me and my sister, we watch cuss story movies. Now, what I mean by cuss story is you watch these movies, you're watching it, and it's like, this doesn't make any sense. Everything that happens is just so that the story can keep moving forward. Like, if it, if it, it just did, doesn't make any sense. It's like, why the snow start falling even though they said they're in California and near the beach, but all of a sudden, they're kissing and then snow starts falling because cuss story or like why is it that if they all of a sudden get trapped in a snowstorm between the two main characters who hate each other and so through that snowstorm somehow some way they get to know a little bit more about each other's backstory and then all of a sudden they fall in love and then at the end of the day they make it back right on time for the major event that they had to make it back on and then they look at each other longingly at the very end of the movie and then they kiss as the snow starts to fall cause story I love cut story movies because they sh- I don't know what it is. What is it about bad movies that you just can't take your eyes away from it? Even though you know this movie is trash. This movie is absolutely garbage. But you can't take your eyes away from it. You can't remove your eyes from it. You gotta see the whole thing. You gotta see it go up in complete flames. You gotta see the flames burn out. And you gotta see those ashes afterward. What is it about us and disaster? Why do we have to see a disaster to the end? I don't know. But anyway, that is Hallmark movies for you. It's a bunch of cuz story movies, like a bunch of movies that don't make no sense. But anyway, the reason why Hallmark is in a hot fire right now is because Hallmark had a commercial on his channel with, it had two commercials. On one commercial, it was a marriage commercial, a man and a woman, they got married, they kissed, that, whatever. Nobody was really anything about that. The second one was a woman and a woman, they got married, they kissed, and they showed the kiss on camera. And so, as you will have it in 2019, outrage. Outrage happened. Million Moms, which is a Christian organization, came out and was like, we can't believe you, Hallmark. How dare you do this, Hallmark? Hallmark, you know you're a family-friendly channel. You can't be showing this kind of stuff to people. We have kids that are watching this stuff, even though your kids are still seeing this stuff at school. But we have kids that are watching this. How dare you put this on TV? We're going to boycott. We're getting our Million Moms organization together and boycotting, which, first of all, side note, Million Moms is a very powerful organization. And when they boycott, because moms tend to have the spending dollars in homes. When they boycott, they boycott hard. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money that Hallmark was like, okay, we we apologize. We will remove the commercial immediately. Like, we will remove the commercial. So, you know, Million Moms, now they're happy. They're celebrating. We, we had another victory. And then on the other side, the entire world that doesn't see a problem with homosexual marriage and all that other stuff we're not talking about that today even though i don't 
agree with it i'm i'm just gonna put that out there people are gonna listen to this and be like what did he just say that maybe i'll get boycotted too i don't know it's very possible anyway that's besides the point but main thing is so the entire world on the other side sees uh, sees hallmark make the decision to take away the commercial and they're like what how dare you take away the commercial from the woman and woman that kissed and not the man and man that kissed why is this a thing and i'm just like and so of course everybody gets upset it gets on the ellen show and everybody's boycotting hallmark now and hallmark this is their main season you know they're doing their 12 days of of christmas movie marathon thing this is their main money season this is where they make the most money because this is when most people watch hallmark and I, to a degree i kind of feel like this is good publicity even though it's bad publicity for hallmark but people are still going i, th- I feel like people are going to check out hallmark just because of like oh let me even see people who never have thought of hallmark before be like let me even see what hallmark got on there but anyway that's besides the point so anyway it was a whole thing hallmark got destroyed and then of course hallmark comes out comes out again and apologizes and says we don't want to mean to cause any division or anything like that and it's like yo first of all on hallmark's part of this whole thing hallmark why are you stupid you know like what is up with these companies this is just like chick-fil-a it's like what 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 are you doing you know the kind of people that watch your content you know that they will be outraged if you put anything that steps outside of the status quo on your content so why are you airing this commercial like why why did you even play with it you know your content you know your audience don't play with that and then on the other side you can't play both sides you already pissed off people anyway just like i said with the chick-fil-a situation there's nothing you can do that is going to make it better there's just nothing absolutely nothing you can do at this point that's going to make it better so coming out and apologizing to one side and taking it that taking it down and then automatically and then the other side getting outraged and taking and putting it back up doesn't solve anything for you hallmark like you're just in the first way you already messed up and then trying to double track and double back and triple back and all this other stuff doesn't do anything for you and the main thing that i want to talk about is the fact that this outrage is only everybody's going to forget about this next year and nobody's going to remember this whole hallmark thing does in fact let me let me pose a couple of situations that probably everybody has already forgotten about does anybody remember the kylie jenner pepsi situation does anybody remember the dove situation does anybody remember the uh what was it h&m situation oh wait people still shopping at h&m i thought everybody was boycotting h&m what happened oh they had a fire sale did they now oh they had a fire sale for thanksgiving you got that shirt for two dollars three dollars really dang dog i need to hit up h&m but my point is everyone forgets it's the instant gratification society we live in the five second hot take society everything is about hot takes everybody hops on twitter oh my god i'm outraged boycott boom well you boycott up until you see that sale and then you get right back on it or you boycott up until you see dove again and then you buy it again so the whole boycotting situation the whole outrage situation wherever you stand on any either side of this stuff if you really really care about this stuff if you really care stand which whether you support for uh non-typical sets of relationships if you stand for that support it hard support it all the way through and do something for it or whatever but being just this hot second i'm outraged i'm gonna be on twitter 
and all this other all this stuff that doesn't do anything for anybody and it doesn't solve any problem for anything i just think that we live in a society where it's just like the thing is is good to hate in other words like people just want to find something to hate on like people just want to be with the in crowd so if one person says ah this thing is not cool so they'll all run with it. Oh my God, he said it's not cool. And then it's not cool. Like think of Snapchat with, uh, was it Kylie or Kyle or who Kendall, whichever one it was, Jenner person that said, oh, Snapchat sucks. And then everybody was like, you're right, Snapchat sucks. And it's like, why? And then about three months later, Snapchat is back and killing the game and doing what they do best. And everybody was right back on Snapchat when they put that grandpa feature on there or that baby feature on there. Everybody was, everybody forgot about being in the in crowd and everybody wanted to be in the in crowd again on, oh, look at how I look when I'm old or look at how I look when I'm a baby or look at how I look when, when I'm a girl as a dude. And it's just like everybody just wants to be outraged, outraged for about three seconds and then we get right over it. And this whole podcast just turned into a rant. That's not what I wanted to do because we didn't even talk about any of the business stuff in that section because there was really no business stuff. I just wanted to focus in mainly on the fact that, look, if you really support something, support it. Don't just be outraged to be with the in crowd. Actually, it's better for you to stand out than to fit in. Do you. Don't just be with everybody else and be outraged for no reason other than I want to be outraged. Like, it just doesn't do anything. It's not, there's no growth there. There's nothing there. Like, don't just be outraged just be to be outraged. Anyway, moving on from Hallmark and Peloton that put me on this major side piece. Let's get back to some more business topic. So let's talk about Boeing. We've talked about Boeing multiple times in the past and how they've just kind of, right now, they're just kind of trying to, if anybody, you know how I've said at the beginning of this podcast, how I just want to see 2019 end. If anybody wants to see 2019 end, it's definitely Boeing. <laughs> Boeing is just like, yo, can this year come to an end? This year cannot end any faster. Like their stock has dropped over 40% since the beginning of this year. And they hit a high this year. And because of the two, the two massive accidents that they have, I won't call them accidents. The two massive critical, uh, critical fatal crashes that they had late last year which killed over 300 people with their 737 maxes they've just been going through the ringer they've just been going through the ringer and they finally said no mas no mas like they gave up they threw up the white flag and they said no mas so what do i mean by that boeing even though they had those two fatal accidents they had still been going through production of the 737 max mainly because they didn't have a choice like they didn't have a choice but to keep producing for the 737 max because they have a backlog of orders over 4,000 planes deep so they had to keep producing so but however recently they just announced that they are calling a quits and they are holding halting production of the 737 max now why are they doing it now it's simply like any hoarder knows if if anybody has ever watched that show uh hoarders or something like that and you any hoarder knows if you don't throw something away it just piles up and eventually you ain't got space for anything else you can't even live you can't even do anything and that's what's happening with boeing boeing does not have any more space to store any of these 737 max planes anymore because they've been making these planes and they've just been kind of trying to store it everywhere i mean i'm pretty sure some of you saw the images of them storing their planes on parking lots in order to deal with the fact that they didn't have any more hangar storage spaces because they couldn't ship out the planes to get picked up for use wherever it needed to be used 
being used for or whichever airline needed to use the 737 max and so they've run out of space they don't have any more space and so they have to hold production now why is this a big deal this is not just a big deal for boeing this is a big deal for the united states as a whole and some of you might be asking how does that affect the united states as a whole in case y'all don't know boeing is one of the highest employers in the united states the boeing factories employs a lot of people i don't have a good number i don't have a good uh good number to tell you of the amount of people but we can assume and we definitely know it's over ten thousand people that boeing employs especially at their factories factories that they assemble these plates and not just that boeing also has over 600 sub different suppliers that supply parts for the planes so what does that mean it's a trickle down effect if boeing sneezes everybody else catches a cold <laughs> so what is it basically and it doesn't just affect the suppliers as well it also affects airlines as southwest has come out and they've complained american airlines has come out they've complained united has come out they've complained and it's because when boeing catches a cold everybody else gets pneumonia it is bad whenever boeing has any kind of negative effect it has a trickle down effect it's one of the reasons why the, it's they have such a close relationship with the united states government it also one of one of the reasons that posed a problem with those two fatal crashes was because of how close boeing was with the faa and with regulators because boeing is a key 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 part of the united states economy now how that is going to play out this whole production halt is going to affect the united states heavily in moving into 2020 analysts are already expecting that in 2020 the gdp for the united states will see a regression because of the because of boeing and boeing not being able to bring people who are working bring people getting suppliers who are making production because if boeing stops production it means their suppliers have to also stop production it means people aren't necessarily want three things it means people are uh boeing is also not hiring new people and it's very possible that boeing is also sending people home without work to do and that affects the economy heavily heavily we always talk about how people spending money is what the economy likes people jobs being created leads to people spending more money and so when boeing one of the biggest hirers hires employers of 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 anything doesn't sell anymore or doesn't produce anymore for a time being because the 737 is not going anywhere they don't know when the faa is going to or when the united states government is going to release and say that okay the plane is good again and it's safe for people to start flying in it again boeing is just is just at a standstill and they've been trying to fight off this whole idea of being at a standstill for the entire year they were hoping beyond hope that at some point during 2019 they would have been allowed to start flying that plane again so We'll see how this plays out early next year. They're hoping but that by April, this planes will start being delivered and start being used again. And we'll see if that gets hap if that happens at the beginning of next year. We'll just see how that plays out. We'll keep we'll, I'll keep y'all up to date as more news and more information comes out every every so often, right here on the Rambling Mind podcast. <sighs> but man, like I said earlier in the thing, one week to go to Christmas, man. What y'all getting me for Christmas? How about a share? How about a like? How about a subscription? You know? Let people know about the podcast. Get me that. It will be such a lovely Christmas. By the way, shout out to each and every single person listening to this podcast. 
We are so close to over 500 plays on the podcast. I appreciate every single person that has listened to even one episode of the podcast. I appreciate it so much. Thank you to everyone that has been sharing the podcast. Thank you for all the love that I've been getting on the podcast. I appreciate it. I'm hoping that next year we can get to about 5,000 plays as a whole at the end of next year. But that's big goals and big accomplishments that hopefully we'll hit next year. But for right now, thank you all for over, I think it's 400 and something plays. We're getting closer to 500. Hopefully we can hit 500 by the end of the year. But just thank you for everyone that's listened. But anyway, much like us who are last minute shoppers, I mean, this year it was bad. I was real last minute. Like I legit just got my dad's gift this year. I don't know. And then the rest of the family, y'all, I don't even know what I'm getting y'all. If y'all get anything, you know, just be thankful because I don't know. I don't know. And if you're listening to this and you know me personally, you know, you might not be getting nothing for Christmas this year. I'm just saying. Um, but that's beside the point. But anyway, just much like us who are last minute shoppers for Christmas, FedEx is sweating bullets because FedEx is like, yo, all these fools that want to wait till last second talking about deliver these gifts to these places. How are we going to get these things over there? That's they're sweating bullets right now. So why is FedEx sweating bullets? FedEx is the biggest logistics firm in the world, biggest, biggest logistic company in the world. Why would they be sweating bullets? Well, they're sweating because they just had their second, their third, not second, third quarter um, earnings report. And well, they missed. They missed worse than Giannis at the free throw line. And I mean, Giannis is pretty bad at free throws. Like my guy be airballing back to back free throws like bad. And it's not like he only did it one time. He did it like three times back to back. Like it's bad. It's bad. And they missed horribly. Profits were 40% lower than their bottom goal of hitting. 40% low they lost out on profits this year. So the question is, what exactly happened? Like, why did FedEx lose out so much money? Well, part one of that is weather. Weather has been trash in the last uh, in the last quarter. There's been a lot of storms, especially in the Midwest and the Northeast. There's a lot of storm that delayed a lot of packages being delivered on time, delayed a lot of shipments that should have been sent out. All that kind of delays really affects FedEx's bottom line. And then, of course, in California, they had the wildfires and that, of, of course, affected them as well. And then on the other side, you had FedEx who called a quits and said, I want a divorce. I don't want to deal with the headaches of Amazon anymore. Amazon has not been treating me right. And now Amazon is going behind my back and trying to do what I already do. I don't want it anymore. So that, of course, hurt their profits because they didn't expect to have to do that in the year. So what is FedEx saying that they're going to try and deal with or how are they going to deal with this situation? Well, FedEx is saying that they're going to do two things. One, they're going to shrink hiring new people. And two, they're going to shrink their air operations. What does this mean and why does this relate to the Christmas period? The holiday season, as I referenced earlier when I started talking about this, is the most busiest time for logistic companies. Because this is the season when everybody is trying to either ship something or buy something to get to be in their house by a certain time. This is a season when people are willing to pay that three hundred dollar overnight shipping cost to get something to their house before they have to go for that christmas party and take that gift to that christmas party people are willing to overspend during christmas time because they want those gifts to arrive on time 
And so, with that being said, FedEx not hiring enough people with this being their their busiest season, it really makes them start sweating bullets. And then on that note, Amazon never one to not throw flame, not one to throw gas on a fire when it sees it burning. Amazon jumped in there and was like, yo, by the way, we are canceling our, we're canceling or rather blocking our third party sellers from being able to ship with FedEx because we do not trust that FedEx will be able to deliver packages on time. Why did Amazon come out and say this now? As we all know, like I said earlier, FedEx kind of shot at Amazon and said, we ain't, we ain't working with you anymore. Amazon is now doing its own shooting back and saying, it's all good. We don't need y'all anyway. We got our own shipping business that we going and doing real well with, which was also the reason why FedEx broke up with them anyway. But analysts are saying that Amazon is starting to pick up with their shipping business, with their logistic business. They're saying that at this point in the year, over 50% of Amazon's deliveries are coming through Amazon. And then and I know y'all have seen those Amazon trucks. I mean, Amazon but, uh, delivery buses and cargo buses and cargo vans. I know y'all have seen those gray with the blue hash on the side. I've been seeing them a lot more. And analysts are saying that over 50% of the deliveries are being done by Amazon now. And they expect that by volume, Amazon is going to overtake. In the next couple of years, Amazon is going to overtake both UPS and FedEx by volume in shipments made. And so... And also, side notes, side notes, side notes, another stats to note about this. Amazon, most Amazon sales are by third parties. 58% of the sales that are made on Amazon.com aren't made by, aren't made through Amazons, but actually through third parties. Which means Amazon blocking off FedEx means that they trying to eat up that 58%. They want to eat that 58% for themselves to increase their logistics business, to increase that. And plus, they have this whole one-day shipping thing. And so to increase all of those things, Amazon is just trying to cut FedEx out of their whole organization. What does that mean for you? It means soon enough... There will be a store, just like you can go to FedEx to ship anything, you will soon be able to do the same thing with Amazon. Amazon is really coming for FedEx. FedEx is trying to fight them off, but Amazon is like, we ready. We trying to be ready. UPS is on the sideline like, we'll take whatever business we get. We happy to just be third place. We ain't even mad. We'll take whatever business we get. We've been third place for how long? It's all good. We'll take third place. We'll take third place. You guys just on the sideline, just doing its own thing. Just like, Amazon, you need help? You need help? Oh, I'll help you out. FedEx, you, you need some help too? Oh, I'll help you out. USPS, y'all need some help? Government agency, y'all always last. Y'all need some help too? I will help y'all out too. UPS just happy with any business, any. They're like, they on the sidelines. They're like the, the, the guy on the side. They're like the third party when people go to war that shows up and just kills all the last bystander and takes and just says, we win. We got some money out of this. We okay. But anyway, for the most part, that's all I got for y'all. I got a little little nugget, little nugget. First of all, Fortnite is massive. I didn't know Fortnite was as big as it is, but Fortnite has has had over 250 million people download the game. It has over 80 million people playing every month and has over 10 million people that play daily now why am i bringing up fortnite because fortnite recently just partnered up with disney to run a trailer within the fortnite universe for the new star wars movie and it's like anything else like bonnie and clyde like 
Roadrunner and Coyote, like peanut butter and jelly, winners always stay together. Like chocolate and peanut butter, like Reese's, you know? Winners always stay together. Winners, you can, you will never find a terrible play, you will never find a bad team or somebody who is a loser. I don't really like using the term loser, but you will never find people who are doing great surrounded by people who are not doing great. Like you might see one or two people, but you are not, you usually won't see a whole lot of people not doing, usually people who are doing well stick to people who are doing well. And so winners stay winning because they surround themselves with more winners. So this partnership, which is not the first partnership with Disney and Fortnite, but it's a massive partnership. Just like Fortnite, I gave you the numbers for Fortnite. On the other side, Disney has been killing it this year. Not a single movie that Disney released this year did not make a billion dollars. Every single movie made a billion dollars at the box office. The lowest amount that that they made this year at the box office from a movie was from Frozen 2 and that made over 1.03 billion dollars at the box office on release. This is all release numbers now. So it's winners stay with winners and they keep winning. I don't like using the word losers, but winners stay with winners. So surround yourself with winners. Surround with yourself with people that can help you and push you forward to do better and better and better. But anyway, reason why I bring up Fortnite is that Fortnite is no longer just a game. Fortnite has turned itself into a social platform. Fortnite is evolving more and more and more. And I believe that when virtual reality becomes more of a thing, Fortnite will be right there because it's becoming less of a game and more of a social media outlet. People would literally get on Fortnite, not to play, but just to chill out and hang out, just to hang out on platform. Like people do with Instagram or anything else. It's just to catch up. I know in the past I used to do that and I did that yesterday with with my brother and my best friend. It was so much fun. And it's just reminded me of like, yeah, Fortnite can really do this thing where Fortnite is trying to evolve itself. And in fact, the parent company Epic no longer sees Fortnite as just a video game, but sees it as a, as a social media platform. So much so that Marshmello, I don't know if you people know the musician Marshmello held a concert within the Fortnite platform, within the Fortnite world, and over 25 million people showed up for that concert during the time that it was going on. So it's becoming more and more of a world of its own. Fortnite is becoming more of a world in its own. I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, the movie uh, Ready Player One. Literally, that's what Fortnite is becoming more and more of. And as virtual reality becomes real, I believe that's going to become more and more real. But anyway... I was going to talk about the U.S. spending doc, uh, spending bill that was over 2,300 pages that just got passed in the House, the House of Representatives. And it, it's talked about the $1.4 trillion that will be spent next year. Yes, you heard me. $1.4 trillion that will be spent next year. But we don't have time anymore. I've been talking for over 40 minutes now. But the key thing to get out of that is the fact that more important than the actual money that's being spent is the tax breaks that were extended to companies for certain things. So if you have a chance, go look that up. It's pretty interesting. The uh, the thing, the tax breaks that companies are still going to be enjoying moving forward. And speaking of taxes, another interesting documentation that came out from the Institute of Taxation and Economy, Economic Policy is the fact that the average taxes being paid for by companies within the Fortune 500 was negative 6% as far as federal taxes is concerned. Yes, negative 6% is the taxes that 
companies in Fortune 500 pay. I need to get some of these accountants that work for these companies that it can help me evade taxes much like these companies evade taxes. So, and that's a $75 billion that is lost in revenue every year because these companies don't pay taxes. So I need these accountants that are on these accounts to come help me so that I don't pay taxes either. I ain't trying to pay no taxes. I'm just saying. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all today. It's a lot. Like I said, it's a lot, a lot, and a lot of news. I couldn't even get into everything. I was going to talk more about the tax situation because it is interesting to me that we keep talking about how we need to increase taxes on people. But then, on the other hand, corporations don't pay taxes at all because they just know all the loopholes and can get out of it. But then your Joe Schmo that works a nine to five or Joe Schmo that works at Chick-fil-A or Joe Schmo that works just doing the best that he can pays more taxes than a billion dollar company or a billion dollar organization. But hey, that's neither here nor there. That's just me on a soapbox. But anyway, let's do a quick recap of everything that we've been talking about today. We started off and we talked about the COP25, aka the United Nations Climate Change convention that happened in madrid and how it was a complete waste of time and nobody actually came to the table ready to talk and make decisions about the paris agreement of 2015 paris climate agreement of 2015 then we went from there and i hopped on my soapbox and talked about how everybody loves to be outraged and how we talked about peloton and how that was not really anything upsetting and we talked about hallmark and now hallmark needs to learn that people will be upset if you're gonna do something stick to your guns and do it and see it all the way through and then from there we talked about boeing and boeing ending production on a bunch of the 737 because it literally has no more storage space it cannot store any more planes it has over 400 plates just sitting waiting to be delivered and so once the faa and the united states government agrees to let that plane go off the hang then they can start production back and we talked about how that doesn't just affect boeing but also affects the united states gdp and affects so many different companies because of all the suppliers that supply boeing for its planes and then from there we talked about how fedex is going to war against amazon or it's already at war with amazon and how they completely missed on their profit prediction for the year over 40 percent they lost in profit for the year even though they still had some profit but 40 percent less that's not good it's not good signs for the company and we also talked about the fight between amazon and fedex and then finally we discussed we hit some quick topics on fortnite and disney and how winners are always going to stick together we talked about the u.s government actually passing their spending bill we just have to wait and see if the senate actually passes it as well but all signs point to it being a go and the deadline is on friday so hopefully we will see it on friday but i said if you have the chance go look up some of the things about the tax breaks that companies will still be enjoying next year and then we talked about taxes and how corporations don't pay taxes because they know loopholes and they have really good accountants that i wish i knew that can help me not pay taxes as well but anyway that's all i got for y'all today i hope y'all learned a thing or two it's been your boy kelechi hit me up on instagram hit me up on twitter if you disagree with something i said which you probably did hit me up on either one of those platforms at kelechi iwaba that's k-e-l-e-c-h-i w-u-a-b-a but anyways being your boy this has been the rambling mind podcast thank you to each and every single one of y'all for listening 
and I'll catch y'all on the next one. God bless y'all. Peace.